Alrighty, we are back. Your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly. It's episode number 497. And it's a bit of a special one, as we do if you've been watching this show for years. Uh, this is our annual prediction show. Um, so we're recording live on December the 29th, on that in-between time between Christmas and the start of the new year. And it gives us a chance to reflect on the year that was and you know potentially the year that's coming and to not that we have crystal balls or anything like that but uh you know we like to kind of you know recap what we thought was going to happen this year i think you know no, nobody expected a pandemic but anyways um and, and kind of speculate a little bit on next year so abriana how are you you know what? I am I'm hanging in there. We are wrapping up this year and you know in true 2020 style um I obviously I've been like, you know, recording from my bedroom for quite a while now uh and working here as well, but um you know, I've had a a woodpecker that has taken up um, a house like right outside my bedroom. So, you know, it just kind of like goes with the theme of the whole year just, you know, with, if something else is going to just kind of like nag at you, it's there. So um, I do feel like I'm losing my mind a little bit, but maybe I just need to go like get a BB gun or something. (laughs) 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 Uh, Okay. Don't hate me. I I would not do that. I'm definitely kind to animals Um, anyways, but yeah, I am, you know what? I'm good. And, and I am uh, I'm thankful for this year and all that it has taught me um and the opportunities it's given me in new ways and i'm looking forward to a better 2021 i'm hopeful um but we'll see right (laughs) we will see i think it's yeah it's been an incredibly uh hard year for so many um challenging uh you know created lots of opportunities as well i i would say and um you know and and i think at least for for speaking for myself i can say that you know it it really helped to focus on you know what's important and you know who's around you and how you can impact and and how you can help um and um yeah you know i want to i want to do more of that so um let's hope let's be hopeful for 2021 Yeah, I totally agree. I think that we've had a lot of opportunities, um, you know, to reflect on things this year, Um, spend more time with with those that we say are most important. And a lot of times we don't get to spend a lot of time with because we're always on the go and slow down a little bit in some ways. Um, And for me, you know, I feel like I've actually learned that I am more of an introvert than maybe I thought I was. And that's okay. that I enjoy being home a lot of times. So I think it's going to be a little hard sometimes if uh, things actually do get back to normal at some point and and uh, getting out of sweatpants and out of <laughs> out of the house uh, with all of the convenience that we've had. But you know, there's been times there's been like a I would say an increase in in um, you know the love that we have around us. Um, obviously, we feel for those that have had a lot of loss this year. So there's been a lot of changes. Um, whether that's just in relationships or actually losing um, those that we love. And, and I think it's just been a year of reflection, but I was also reflecting on our predictions for last year. Um, And, you know, I think we did pretty good 
for the most part. There were some that maybe did not pan out as we had thought, but uh, there were some that did. So do you want to start with one of yours and and see maybe uh, what yeah. happened there? Um, so sure, let's, let's do that. So last year, um, you know, I think I'll why don't we just roll them all together um, kind of and then we'll we'll kind of flow back and forth but yeah I, I kind of called for you know less IPOs uh, this year and more M&A activity think we did pretty well on that overall uh, definitely didn't see a lot of IPOs this year I think the pandemic did a great job of uh, helping me with that one of slowing down the number of public offerings although obviously in the last couple of weeks uh, a bunch of companies, you know, finally made that happen in the, in the very last uh, few weeks of the month here. Um, but overall, um, you know, we definitely didn't have a lot of IPOs. On the M&A side, tons of activity, especially in the location space. We've talked about a number of deals uh, over the course of the year of, uh, you know, just companies being acquired and snapped up and merged into other uh, location players. Um, and so, so I think, you know, we're going to see more of that going into the new year. Uh, I think there's just, you know, companies that just won't survive, um, that, uh, either due to, you know, coming changes in privacy rules, like what happened with GDPR, um, when we went through that, um, and you know, what we can expect here in North America that coupled with, I think just people going through financial hardship and difficulties coming out of the pandemic, I think, um, uh, an overall decline in ad spend around, uh, you know, this type of uh, location-based advertising overall, or at least a hold on ad spend uh, this year, you know, uh, led to a lot of that. And and so I think you'll see more, even more M&A activity, um, you know, moving into, into next year. Um, yeah, and then the second thing that I talked about was uh, the use of location data playing a, a big role in the U.S. federal election. Um, you know, while it wasn't, you know, so evident, um, like there wasn't a lot uh, sort of publicly, you know, talked about uh, in that realm, certainly behind the scenes, uh, if you were in the industry, if you're working in the industry, uh, if you're a supplier of data in the industry, you know that, you know, how much, uh, you know, location data played a, a very, very major role this year in the election. Um, you know, I had a half dozen phone calls from reporters from the New York Times to, you know, uh, others uh, around the world uh, asking about, you know, what we knew about who was using data, which party was doing what with it, uh, you know, and so on. And so it was it was very much. Um, you know, happening. Uh, some companies were profiting from it. Some companies were um, maybe going too far with it. Uh, in some cases, I, I'll, I'll, I won't reserve um, any judgment uh, on that. But uh, I will say that you know I, I think we did okay on that prediction in terms of you know the data you know playing a big role in the election. So that's yeah. kind of my thoughts. Over to you. Yeah, I certainly think that uh, location played a huge role in the elections, um, maybe just not in the way that we thought it would, right? Um, they say Atlanta influences everything, and I think that has definitely been the case this year, and Georgia still has 
an election coming up that's you know very important and influential in yeah. what's going to happen um and you know there is not a day that goes by uh besides christmas day that there is not somebody ringing my doorbell texting me calling my phone reminding me about the upcoming vote I'm like we got it under control so i think that location did play a role maybe just a little differently than we anticipated it um and it, the you know some of the two things that i was looking back at was one was uh you know thinking about more privacy regulations and the challenges that we've had uh and maybe streamlining that and bringing it all under one federal law we didn't see that happen this year so you were right in the in the fact that because it is you know is it has been an election year that just you know legislation has not been passed but we have seen um you know we've seen that the biden administration likely has this on their agenda uh, bringing this into, uh, you know, the next, then over the next few years. Uh, we've also seen, a, you know, a lot of growth, I think, in like global privacy legislation. So besides CCPA, we've seen, um, obviously, like GDPR, Japanese Act um, of on the protection of personal information, the Brazilian uh, general data protection law, you know, there's the Indian uh, personal data protection bill, which is still in the works. They're working on getting that wrapped up. And we've seen um, something called CPRA, which is the California Privacy Rights Act, which is also slated to be uh, brought forward next year. Um, you know, so I think that we're going to continue to see sort of that trend like moving in and it'll be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, we've also seen a lot of call outs, uh, you know, from tech companies making you know, calling out some of these SDK location data providers and resellers, um, really like laying down the law and cutting people off. And, you know, that also, it feeds into the privacy regulations and challenges that we've seen, but I think it also feeds into like, what is the, what, what's the, the future going to look like for the location data industry? Um, and, you know, sometimes they've made an example of some small guys as well. And those that we may think that are, you know, doing things right or, or not, or having some, uh, you know, questionable circumstances as well. So, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of that. And we're also going to continue to see probably more on, uh, you know, what's happening with the FTC and some of these big, uh, big tech players like Facebook that that's happening now. So, you know, there's going to be a lot happening in the courtroom, I think. Um, this year. So that will be interesting. The other thing that I had mentioned, uh, you know, well, one that I would just say is, is like a, a quick one is we talked about voice being on the rise. And I think we've continued to see voice, um, you know, a, a really adapt to consumer behavior as well as, you know, advance. I don't think we've seen anything that's been you know, we've seen growth, right? I wouldn't say that there's been any groundbreaking advancements um, like I expected to see, you know, but we do see, you know, a stat that I that I read recently was about 27% of the global population are, are currently using voice for search on their mobile devices. So, you know, we're continuing to see that rise, you know, eight to 10% year over year. And I think that we'll, we'll continue to see that. Um, and then the last area that I had covered was really just ad tech in general and some of the continued, you know, expansions that that we're going to have there. So, you know, I think that we saw a huge year for CTV and OTT. I think a lot of that is thanks to the pandemic. Obviously, that was a, a huge helping hand forward for those um, just because so many people are at home now and they're streaming so much more. We saw a 70 percent 
increase in ad spend for this area for advanced TV and 72% of households in the US that are reachable now with this type of uh, targeting and advertising, which is crazy growth. Um, you know, I think we've also, we also saw a huge push in identity graphs. There was, you know, there's players from all over the space that are touting their identity graph and, and how this can be used across the, the ad tech ecosystem. Um, part of that is, is also, uh, the, the future of, you know, a cookie-less, uh, world as well, you know, coming, becoming reality as well as, um, Apple, you know, they've postponed their the effects of the iOS 14 update, but those are right around the corner now, and it's really going to rock the advertising world. So I think we we saw a lot of those changes that we that we discussed, um, and we saw a fair amount of acquisitions, as you mentioned. So you know, we saw sort of the the coupling up of Foursquare and Factual, along with Placed. You know, now all being one. Recently, you know, we saw Experian acquire TapAd. That goes back to the whole identity graph. Uh, basis and and consumer information. Um, so, you know, I think we we really predicted that one pretty spot on as well. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So not too bad, given that, uh, you know, we, we, we've had a totally unpredictable year um, in so many ways. But um, yeah, you know, I guess I guess we were generic enough that, uh, you know, we, we managed to uh, to go. make it through anyhow. Um, uh, as far as companies that we uh, projected that would do well this year, uh, I, I mentioned Amazon last year, specifically not Amazon kind of as we all know it, but uh, a service of theirs uh, called uh, Fulfillment by Amazon. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think that one did okay as well, because essentially what that is, is if you're a small business and, you know, you need to... Um, you know, sort of handle your orders and, and fulfillment and shipping and all of that, you can turn that over to Amazon. And, you know, with all their behemoth, you know, infrastructure and processes and methodologies for doing that efficiently and on time and, you know, at the lowest possible cost and so on and so forth, uh, you can basically kind of leverage Amazon's expertise and have them do that for you. And obviously the pandemic has never, you know, sort of been more clear than, than now on how important that is, especially when, you know, businesses are increasingly turning to, you know, delivery and order online and, and pick up and so on, because we can't physically go into the stores and the businesses. And so uh, a service like Fulfillment by Amazon makes sense. Um, and um, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty happy with that one as well. How about you? Um, so I believe that I talked last year a little bit about um, advances in the cannabis industry and the technology around that. And although I do believe that we saw some growth there, pardon the pun, I also think that there, I, I think there's a slow, um, this is, is, is moving more slowly than maybe technology would allow. And the reason for that, I believe, is just because, like you said, it's an election year. Um, you know, there's still a lot of constraints in terms of advertising, in terms of, um, you know, where things are legal, medicinal, recreational, and that's not been streamlined here in the U.S. And so I think that there's, you know, there's been progress that has been made around the technology side of it, whether it's for supply or the actual growth. 
um, or processing and fulfillment and delivery. There's been some, you know, some advancements there, but not as I would have uh, expected to see. I think now that, you know, new administration is coming in and, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens and how how things change if it makes if it's more stringent or if it's more relaxed um and and how sort of the technology and the advertising piece of that come together because i know there's a lot of uh hurdles even on the cbd side even for medicinal purposes there's just a lot of challenges in that space right now um in terms of how businesses can actually reach consumers. So um, I'm not sure that that one really panned out as much as I had thought it would. What do you think? Um, I, I think it, it was definitely slower than we all expected. I think the pandemic definitely played a role in that. But but I think that, you know, we will see that pick up. I think we're starting to see a bit of a resurgence in the industry, in the, especially in the last quarter. From an investment point of view, we're seeing more money flow back into it. I think there's hope coming out of the new administration that you know legalization in the in the U.S. you know could be on the horizon. Other markets across the world are starting to move very quickly now. I heard yesterday that the Irish government is is moving to legalize and 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 others. So, um, so I, I think there's you know may, maybe uh, you know your prediction is just like you know a little bit delayed. It's a year off or so. It's coming. So um, yeah, there you go. Consumption likely skyrocketed this year though. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> it, especially here, it was deemed an essential service, you know, all throughout the pandemic. So, um, all right. So let's look at uh, at next year and kind of what uh, what's coming. I'll let you start, and and then we'll go. All right. So I am predicting uh, nothing groundbreaking here, but I think we're going to see a huge shift in advertising dollars moving from traditional and linear TV into advanced TV, meaning OTT. Uh, CTV, so, you know, into those AVOD and SVOD services. Um, I think we're going to see, you know, these more traditional linear networks launching their own streaming services. We've seen a little bit of that this year. And, you know, there's going to be a continued shift for these uh, multi-channel video programming distributors or MVPDs, as we call them. Um, you know, what their future is going to be drastically shifted in this next year. I think what changes they make, you know, just determines if they are, um, you know, what, what business are they in, right? Are they going to have like a Kodak moment or are they going to, um, you know, remain relevant and figure out new ways to reinvent themselves and reach consumers? I think we're going to see a lot uh, on the technology side here, uh, in, including um, measurement features and functionality really be built out. There's, you know, been a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts here where you think about how do you measure linear versus how do you measure, um, you know, OTT and connected TV and different streaming services and across different apps and different smart televisions, right? So I think we're going to con continue to see that sort of consolidate and maybe some some players really stand up as as the measurement provider for um, you know not just digital advertising but more of like streaming advertising or all digital advertising as a whole. 
Um, obviously, I think we're going to continue to see these targeting capabilities evolve uh, alongside of cross device and retargeting opportunities. So, you know, there's a lot that happens now. And all of those shifts that we talked about that had happened this this year, we're going to see how are those going to affect, right? Um, so, for example, like frequency capping, how many times somebody sees an ad, um, you know, being able to retarget somebody within the same household on multiple devices. What does that look like in this cookie-less world or without, um, you know, the IDFA coming in from Apple? How are those changes going to impact this? And I think that we're really going to see a showcase in who's going to lead in this space based upon two main uh, levers, if you will, right? I think it's going to depend greatly on content, who's got great content, um, as well as who has a direct relationship with consumers. So you can think about this as, you know, who's got the hardware that's inside of consumers' homes that, you know, trust them with it, whether that's a mobile device or a television, that's a smart TV that's connected um, or an actual like uh, OTT, you know, type of a Roku system. And then, um, you know, who really can take that content and deliver it. So I think those two factors are going to really differentiate who's going to stand up in this space and make and make a big impact and, and who's going to just be sort of like a mediocre player here. So uh, that's my first prediction. Yeah, I, I think it's a solid one. And uh, you've covered it all. I mean, the only thing I'll add to it is, is, is I think that, you know, like we, you know, used to talk about a lot in the early web days and, and so on, you know, where content is king, I think content is, is king again. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, the onus is on these companies now to not just, you know, develop the distribution channels, you know, the streaming channels to to get this content out, but they have to cr go and invest in creating great content. And we've seen moves already. I mean, a Apple is investing heavily in their own uh, branded, you know, uh, content, their own created content, uh, you know, following taking a page right out of, you know, uh, the Netflix world and Amazon obviously is doing the same with Prime uh, Video and so on. So we're seeing a ton of this, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to, you know, high quality, high production value content. You know, the celebrities are all moving into that space. Um, and it's it's big budgets, right? I mean, it's it's replacing you know what was in the box office at, at the movie theater, uh, and bringing it in house. Now, you know, early early reports, you know, just just to you know um, reference here, you know, the Wonder Woman uh, debut that happened, you know, just a couple of days ago, uh, from what I've heard, hasn't done very well, and yet Warner Brothers has already said you know there's a sequel coming. So. You know, like there's that commitment to the channel. So, so I guess what I'm saying is, is that um, if you're going to do it, you really need to sort of say we're all in, right? You can't sort of dabble in it and expect to do well. You, you're going to have to go all in, um, and and so I, I think that's a good solid prediction. Um, on my side, um, uh, shifting over now, the first one for me is, you know, we we've heard a lot over the last year, two years of you know sort of the promise of 5G. But I want to turn our attention because I, I do think the promise of 5G is great. And I think, you know, we're going to start to see the benefits of that, uh, you know, in this year coming and, and beyond. But I want to turn our, our attention to um, inside the home, inside the office, inside the building, uh, you know, from a, a technology perspective and look at Wi-Fi and Bluetooth in particular, because 
those technologies are also going through a bit of a technology revolution and uh, upgrade as well. Um, you know, these things don't stay stagnant. And so, you know, you have Wi-Fi um, uh, uh, 6 coming uh, and, uh, and uh, the next generation of Bluetooth. And, and these technologies, what they mean are, you know, much greater speeds uh, in terms of what we can do. And when we're all working from home, we've all experienced, you know, at least in my house, I can tell you, the competition for Wi-Fi and for bandwidth and, you know, it going down because there's just too much, you know, uh, everybody drawing on it at the same time and, and all of that. And so what you have here in the next generation of Wi-Fi is six gigahertz bands. Um, you've got, uh, you know, the ability to, to deliver much more content, you know, much less interference uh, on the channel. Uh, you know, just higher throughput um, in terms of what you can deliver across that. And that in itself, I think, is, 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 is a huge uh, innovation in terms of what's coming, um, you know, in, in order to be delivered the streaming content that you're talking about, um, you know, and in an ad-supported fashion. But just in general, in terms of connectivity and what you can do with that, it, from a device point of view, um, you know whether you're at home or you're, you know, in a in a retail environment or a commercial office environment or what have you. I think there's a lot there. And on the Bluetooth side, uh, innovation has it been happening as well. So they've got um, their latest standard Bluetooth 5.2 coming, uh, and one of the biggest pieces of that is innovations in the audio uh, component. So. Uh, basically bringing what they call a true stereo uh, to earbuds and to listening devices and the ability to broadcast from a Bluetooth device to multiple devices at once. Uh, so instead of it just being my phone is connected to that speaker, uh, now it can be multiple devices you know, connecting to, to a Bluetooth device at the same time. That's a huge innovation. Um, and I think one of the things that that brings in a commercial context, you know, like in our home environments, that's one thing. But in a commercial context, you know, uh, having, you know, multiple devices connecting to, to, to a single device, um, I think, you know, in terms of just from a sort of 360 network, you know, visibility point of view, uh, from a not, you know, network operations point of view, there's a lot of things that you can do with that, especially when, Every, virtually every device that we have, you know, has Bluetooth or has Wi-Fi, you know, sort of built into it, right? From the smoke detectors to the thermostats to the lighting systems to the whatever. And so when you're looking at smart buildings and innovation, you know, going forward, and because we will be coming back to buildings in some form or capacity, uh, but having these things all be connected and, you know, controlled, you know, through uh, our, our mobile devices and others, I think, um, really speaks to where you know where we can go with this and so I, i'm expecting a ton of innovation from new companies emerging that can basically leverage these these technologies and, and create new new communication channels new content channels and and new devices that can leverage the capabilities around this so that's kind of one of the areas where i'm really excited yeah i feel like um you know how a lot of times we'll hear maybe our parents or uh you know, 
older family members talk about how when they had watched television, they would have to get up to change the channel. (laughs) And now I feel like, you know, the future for our children is going to be, well, back when we had internet, we had to make sure, you know, we would have to turn off certain devices, you know, to get off get offline so that that we could stream faster because there just wasn't enough bandwidth is going to be like that equivalent um you know that's what we'll be telling our kids when when we get older um but you know it's interesting to see how that's going to advance and just make our lives easier and um you know it will just continue to evolve there and on the bluetooth side i agree i think it's interesting we've seen some uh, advancements even this year with some interesting Bluetooth capabilities when it comes to even just tracing, for example, and, and anonymous tracing. So I think we're seeing some new advancements there. And, you know, I just got a really cool Christmas gift, uh, that was, um, it's a Marshall speaker and it's a Bluetooth speaker, um, or it can be hardwired for my record player, but I, you can connect with it. And the great thing is that it can connect to multiple devices at the same time. So there's no need to like disconnect and reconnect. And so it is again, like that's more what's happening and it just makes things a lot easier instead of having to, um, figure out who's connected and disconnect. And so I, I agree that we're definitely going to continue to see to see more advancements around that. Yeah, and, and just while we're on the topic of speakers, so last year, one of the things I talked about was um, Sonos and, and what they were doing with some of their speaker technology. And one of the key things uh, that I had mentioned at the time was a lot of these hardware manufacturers like Sonos and, and that are making these speakers and stuff, they're putting the smarts, they're putting the uh, sort of the intelligence uh, in the device, in the hardware itself, so that it can still function, it can still operate, it can still provide, you know, whatever you need from it uh, without it being connected necessarily to the internet all the time. Um, so I think that serves two purposes. It gives you, you know, sort of capability, but at the same time, there's also that it allays some of the sort of privacy uh you know issues or concerns people have that the device is listening to me all the time right Mm -hmm. if it's not connected but it can still do what you want it to do and then you know it connects to pull stuff down or what have you um so so i think we're going to see a lot a lot more movement in that area uh in, in 21. yep all right all right so my next prediction um is really i i think we're going to see a huge rise in d2c or direct-to-consumer brands and offerings uh and mobile operations around those um you know more for convenience and safety but i think that you know COVID and this year has really uh, just opened so many people's eyes to how do we interact as a retailer, as a brand with our consumers and how do we best serve them? So what does that look like from a convenience factor? What does that look like from a safety factor? Uh, and what does that look like, you know, from just a operational and staying in business uh, standpoint, right? So, you know, I think that this has created a new mindset. It's created it's definitely created new consumer behavior and we've all been adapting to that. And I believe that there's a ton of creativity we're going to see that's going to just be an offshoot of this into next year where 
we're going to see a lot of new ways to have these, you know, curbside offerings, um, you know, delivering goods and services to people and new ways to help small businesses even, right? So we've seen a huge struggle for small businesses, especially those that have any type of a retail storefront, uh, even obviously like smaller mom and pop restaurants that are not part of chains. You know, we've just seen a, a huge decline here. And I think that now that, that we see the challenges there's a lot of people who are working on delivering new ways to connect uh, consumers who want to shop local, who want to, you know, help out the smaller businesses and um, not just that upper 1% that has really profited this year, right? So I expect to see a lot of uh, growth and and new concepts to come out of, of that challenge that has happened this year. And, you know, I'm thinking of like, how can Etsy, you know, Etsy is in essence like this huge superstore of all these small businesses. And is there a way that we can kind of take that Etsy and combine it with the, the, uh, the convenience factor and the ease that an Amazon Prime two-day delivery has, right? So I think that bringing those things together is really what we're going to see a lot more of in 2021. And um, and I'm hopeful for that as well. As a small business owner, you know, and, and seeing the struggle that has happened this year with uh, my husband's cryotherapy business, you know, it's just like, well, how do you, how do you deliver or how do you shift your business? Uh, and so I think there's going to be a lot of uh, technology advancements that that will help power that yeah and i think you bring up a good example with the etsy um, um store because I, I i look at it as there's definitely an opportunity right now driven out of the pandemic uh for small business for local business you know to you know find new customers right and i think you know, like here um, where I live uh, in on the east side of Toronto in what's called Durham Region, there's a group that's been set up on Facebook um, called Durham Region Eats. And it's like this, you know, sort of discover, you know, all these restaurants, all these little, you know, food places that you didn't know anything about um, in the region. Um, and there's literally like, I think, I, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess here, like twenty thousand people who, who are part of this group now. That and this group wasn't didn't exist last year. It only came during the pandemic, and you know people are are on there posting, "Hey, I was at this place today, and I had this, and I tried that, and I had this great meal, and whatever." And it's just you know, and and I've used it, and I've I've found all kinds of places that I had no idea about, right? Uh, and some have such great stories, like there was this one. Um, uh, submarine shop that I found um, not too far like a 10 minute drive and apparently it's been there for like 47 years and you know it looks like it like you walk in there and it, it like 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 they haven't updated anything for like for the 50 years they've been in business it, yeah. but their prices are amazing like they just give you a quality sandwich and you're in and out of there and it's like and it's cool um, and I think like there's just this opportunity to create this direct to consumer type of relationship that you're talking about. Um, and in a way it's like going back in time in the way it's, it's like, you know, small business owners used to know their customers personally, and there was this relationship. And I think we can create that and with some digital tools and intervention kind of, you know, sort of filling in a little bit or facilitating. Um, but I think there's a big opportunity. So I, I'm, I'm right there with you on that one. Um, and, and the last thing I'll say about that uh, is that I think there's also an opportunity to extend that kind of thinking to uh, 
come out of this pandemic um, in this mindset, you know, that we've 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 all been given this opportunity, we've all been given to think about how we apply these technologies and these solutions and this kind of thinking to some of the big social causes that you know we're you know our world and our planet are dealing with right now. So I think there's some you know a lot to be done, and, and I think we can we can start to find uh, you know opportunities to to serve you know others as well coming out of this. So anyhow, um, all right. My final prediction uh, is a continued rise and evolution in the connected car space. Um, you know, I think uh, one of the things that we've all learned uh, this year is that, um, you know, we don't have to go, uh, you know, to work uh, in an office. We don't have to, um, you know, go to, to a store. We can get the things that we want online or brought to us or through curbside pickup and delivery and all this kind of stuff. Um, but it does mean that, you know, we still need our vehicles. We still want to, you know, you know, move about and, and get out of the house and so on. And, and so I think there's this kind of opportunity uh, going into 21 where, you know, that technology that's been in the car that continues to sort of be advancing in the vehicle uh, will continue to do so. But, but start to layer in more and more of the, the commerce and the, and the connected commerce type of services that we've seen. So. We've talked a little bit. I think it was uh, the uh, the Skoda guys that we just covered a few weeks ago uh, over in the Czech Republic that were embedding LBS technology into their vehicles. Um, I think we're going to see a raft of that going into twenty one from all kinds of car companies, uh, where you know you're you're driving about and you know here's an offer for some you know restaurant or business nearby you know based on your location and your data. Um, but not just here's the offer, the ability to pay for it directly from your vehicle with integrated, you know, wallets and so on into the vehicle. Um, and that stuff's been there for a while. But I think what, what we'll see next year is this real sort of uh, opportunity to kind of really uh, crystallize it and make it happen, you know, at, at scale. Um, because what you just talked about, this sort of direct to consumer, I don't think it's only big brands that have to play in that. Right. I think it can be local business. I think there's an opportunity, there's a marketplace type of thing that can be created to kind of bring that together. Um, and so that's one area I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about in, in uh, looking into the new year and just drawing from our own LBMA uh, research report, which just came out, by the way, this week. If you haven't picked up your copy yet, it's free this year. Uh, just go to the uh, LBMA website and you can download it. But 21% uh, of the people we surveyed, and this is a global survey that we do, are already, uh, these are brands and marketers around the world, are already using location data in vehicles. So that's, you know, literally, you know, uh, a fifth of the, uh, of the uh, marketing uh, ecosystem that we talk to are already on this. And I think that's going to just increase greatly uh, going into the, into the uh, new year. Um, and just to add one more stat to the mix there, uh, payments.com did a survey uh, on this area recently, and they said that 70% of commuters uh, are very uh, or extremely interested in new connected commerce experiences. 70%, this is a US study only, by the way, uh, of, of people that they, they surveyed. And this was over 9,000 people in the consumers in the US that they surveyed. 70% of them are interested in new connected car commerce experiences. So, 
that's a big number. Um, and I, I think you're going to start to see that because people are like, hey, I don't need to get out of my car to go into that store. Just let me order from my car and bring it out to me. And, mm -hmm. and I'm happy and I get what I want. So. Yeah, I think that it's it's interesting. Sometimes it also makes me think of, okay, so for those who maybe don't have a new car or a higher end car that would have this type of experience embedded in it, is there a resurgence of something like a Garmin, right? Where you have your own tablet in your car, where you have those types of experiences, or you can facilitate that even from your mobile device, right? So, yeah. you know, it's interesting to think about what does the future look like there, but I, I completely agree and this is also almost a, um, a really kind of a convergence of, of my last prediction and this one, but, you know, how do you provide those convenience factors based upon where you're driving and where you're at and what you need? And, you know, if you have your grocery list or your to-do list, that's like somehow synced with your car and, you know, navigating that based on traffic patterns or whatever, you know, there's so much that really could just uh, be brought in. So I'm excited to see how that certainly, you know, progresses and changes um, throughout All right. the season. Yeah. So that's our predictions. Uh, do you have any company that you think is going to really do well or any particular area uh, in the new year that you wanted to highlight? Yeah, so I think as far as an industry to watch, uh, I expect to see tremendous growth in the industry of what I would consider either data clean rooms or sort of these data bunkers. Um, you know, the ability to match your first party data with advertisers and, and be able to reach, um, you know, across the ecosystem uh, is really a uh, important for brands to be able to do. But in order to do that, they want to make sure that they have brand safety and that they're also protecting the privacy of their consumers and buyers. And so we've seen this, uh, you know, this trend, I, I think, start to just kind of be planted this year. And I expect a lot of growth there. If I was going to pick one company to watch, it would probably be InfoSum. Um, you know, I know them pretty well and, and their background and their story. And, and I really love how they're really thinking about just being, in essence, the connector of, of data and allowing that privacy first focus um, and brand safety focus, uh, you know, for publishers or advertising, uh, you know, DSPs and platforms and, and connecting everyone together in a safe way. So, I expect that we'll see, you know, more and more happening there as uh, privacy and, um, you know, just consumer first approaches continue to be front of mind. All right, I, I think that's uh, that's pretty solid. Um, and you know, we've been we, the, the promise of these kind of clean data rooms uh, and this idea of matching the, the first party data, you know, and the privacy pieces together. I think has been there for a while. I don't think we've seen it at scale yet, but um, I'm excited. I think I think it's a it's a natural sort of evolution that we need to get to. So I like that one. Um, yeah, for me, it's it, the industry that I I think. We're going to see some some more change in is is the restaurant industry, um, and I'm not going to call out any one particular company other than to say where I think the disruption needs to happen is in the um, you know sort of the order delivery uh, space. So the Uber Eats, you know, skip the dishes up here, DoorDash, you know, that whole uh, space because. What we've heard uh, time and time again is these small businesses, these local restaurants, you know, 
not only are they having a tough time in, in, in the pandemic and, and you know, just, just trying to get customers and revenue, is what little they're getting in terms of, you know, delivery uh, and orders, you know, the margin is just getting, you know, eaten up by, uh, by these delivery companies. Um, you know, the, the Toronto, City of Toronto government here just had to pass a lot of cap fees uh, on all these delivery services because they were like taking 30 percent, uh, you know, margins on, on delivery. Like it's ridiculous. Right. Um, and so what I think, you know, there's an opportunity for is, you know, new competitors to emerge in the market, smaller local competitors to emerge in the market that will get some traction. Um, and there's a number of them up here that are already doing that. And I'm sure you've got them in Atlanta and, and across the globe, uh, you know, this is a trend that's happening. But, you know, to take that one step further, um, there's only so far you can go with a small local competitor from a scale point of view, right? Um, before somebody comes in and takes you out or, or what have you. So, you know, I want to wind the clock back. You, you, you'll remember the days of when um, in the retail world, you know, um, there was this platform called Currency and then Walmart, along with a bunch of other uh, retailers, tried to team up to create something called the uh, MCX, the Merchant um, uh, Payment Exchange uh, Networks. And it was all about, you know, them saying, hey, the credit card companies are, are charging us too much. We need to take control of this, reduce the fees and basically control our own, you know, payment processing network. Um, it didn't go anywhere. Ultimately, it failed. But think about that now, the concept of that applied to the restaurant industry, applied to not franchises and big chain restaurants i'm talking about local businesses local restaurants you know essentially somehow creating you know sort of this consortium play around you know delivery uh and fees um and i think there could be an interesting opportunity there uh for somebody to really emerge and start to kind of roll up a bunch of local services so almost let, let the local players play but be part of a bigger network um and a fee structure system i don't know but I think there's something there. So that's that's kind of where my head's at in terms of where there's some innovation to come. Yeah, I think that's great. I'd love to see more innovation around that and, and certainly more opportunities for, you know, this year has been like we have seen the rich have gotten richer uh, due to this pandemic. And it would be great to see sort of these uh, more wholesome underdogs really, uh, you know, thrive and and um you know kind of turn the tables a little bit this next year so i'm hopeful for that yeah so that's it that's our show that's uh kind of our thoughts on last year and the year ahead uh you've been listening to episode number 497 of location weekly um hopefully there's something in there that uh, that piqued your interest um as always if you have story ideas we'll be back to our regular programming with a, another episode uh, next week but uh, reach out to us with story ideas feedback thoughts um, you know companies that we you know should be aware of uh, what have you and we just thank you uh, for listening and watching and supporting uh, this year and uh, we wish you a fantastic new year um, and safety and health for all be well and we'll see you in 2021 <laughs> all righty Bye. Bye.